This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Well, Martin, we finally reached the end of the road with this series we've been doing called The Price is Right. And we, we started this because accountants constantly tell us that pricing is a prickly issue. And believe it or not, this is part 14. So we've done 14 weeks of this, presenting the challenges and then the solutions. How do you feel at the end of the road? Good. Um, which, which for our American listeners is a Northern English term for tired. Um, guys, this content has only come from one of the reports that we have in our library uh, of uh, research in the profession. Can you imagine if we were to, to serialize all of the content we've got, how long that would take? So we deliver it in bite-sized chunks for you for implementation purposes. We want to give you one piece of information that you can act upon. And this final part here is a nice summary of the whole project. In terms of the solutions that we've presented to you, we've, you've heard about external validation, uh, you've heard about pricing policy within a practice. You know, I was on a stage in a foreign country not very long ago where practice issues were being uh, asked to be disclosed to me so that I could give uh, value on specific issues that were bothering practices at that time. And of course, price always becomes part of this. What you're going to receive today in today's bonus episode is what was discussed just a few hours ago from the time of recording, which was carrying out regular fee reviews. Now, I presented to this audience what superior accounting clients are doing. And what I mean by superior is they've got higher profitability. They've got a higher EBITDA. They're competing firms. And then we look at what it is they're doing to create this. And then one of the things that is, is sort of core is that they calculate profitability, not revenue. And they calculate profitability from a firm-wide stance, from an individual service line stance, from an individual partner stance, from an individual, believe it or not, people stance. They regularly review what is working. So what service line is performing profitability-wise? Which partners are performing profitability-wise? Which staff members are performing profitability-wise? So I'm going to ask you here to carry out regular fee reviews. Once every six months, which is about right, you'll probably do it once every decade or so at the moment, to list all of your clients. Look at what the firm is producing profit-wise from each one. Martin, how do we calculate the profit? Any way you want is the answer. You might say, okay, the profitability is based on and have your own calculation. You might take a generalistic calculation. It doesn't matter. However you want to calculate the profit, calculate it. Uh, we know that accountants are very good at making the numbers say what you want them to say. So from there, the decision must be taken as to whether you can continue working with each client on the current pricing structure or whether something needs to change. So let's say we have five clients, A, B, C, D, and E, and you look and carry out a fee review on A, B, C, D, and E, and A, B, and C are fine. They're producing the amount of profit that is acceptable in the firm by whatever your measure, standard, or bar is, but D and E are not. Now, what do we do here, okay? So be prepared to grade your clients on a profitability scale, A to D. And you might say, okay, anything over 70% gross margin is an A, anything over 60% gross margin between 60 and 70 is a B, anything between 50 and 60, uh, is a C, anything between 40 and 50 is a D, and anything below that isn't good enough. Now, when you've done that, you've got all your clients graded, pick the very worst of the Ds, okay, or below Ds if you have such thing, and start your increases with maybe only one of them, because losing these clients will cause little, if any, disruption to the firm, but will give you a safe testing ground before you try raising fees uh, with more valuable clients. And here's an actual case study. I was asked to do this very project with a firm in Pennsylvania, and they had picked their bottom six clients. I mean, the very, very bottom six clients, the absolute worst 
of the worst. And they wanted to know how to approach these six clients. Should they simply sack? Should they attempt an inflationary price increase? Should they try and add value to the service to justify a price increase? What should they do? And we settled upon three approaches. Approach number one, increasing uh, their fee by 10% this year and every year until it got up to the practice average. That was option one. Option two, keeping the price the same, but making sure that we defined our grade A client to them so that they could produce three referrals for us every year on a grade A basis. So they're a grade D client referring grade A work. Or C, they do not get to raise the price or give you referrals. They simply get sold, not sacked, sold to a uh, another firm. So you earn one times fees on their departure. Okay. So the, we just tried this with six. That was all. And of those six, all six chose the second option, which was to refer business because they saw it as the path of least resistance. So the firm had to get very serious about what it was that constituted a referral and the quality thereof. They said, we don't want more like you. That's the last thing we want. You know, that's what we're trying to get away from. We want the best. Now, normal, normal thinking would think, well, a grade D client doesn't know grade A business, so can't refer it. That was proven wrong. And from the six, all of them chose that second option, meaning that in year one alone, the firm now received 18 grade A style referrals, where the client was tasked saying they have to not just name them, they have to introduce them, set something up for the practice to take forward. So 18 new business appointments with grade A referrals was what was created. Now, at the time of me leaving the story, I only know what happened to the first six of the 18 from the six clients that referred them. And I know that the potential of opportunity was $72,000 that came from these first six, okay? Now, on that basis, guys, imagine you carrying out regular fee reviews to identify the worst of the worst, to then give them three options as to how they can continue with working with you that result in either a price increase, a grade A referral, or being sold for one-time fees, you get paid for doing nothing at all. That's got to be better than having your team think about resigning because they hate the clients they work on. That's so good, Martin. And the other addition to this is that referred clients refer more clients themselves because they know the way it works. They've been through that process. So the multiplier effect of having a client come into you by referral, they bring in six more, I'm sure. Absolutely right. It is a virtuous circle on that basis or, or it's a mushroom effect. But that's the outcome and the consequence that will justify your actions. The tough part is actually doing it. As I said to these firms, who I spoke in front of recently, you know, the challenge is not actually carrying out a strategy like that. And you might not like that. You might want a different one. Fine with me. The, the, the challenge is actually doing anything at all because practices aren't given to proactive behaviors. So it takes a real hunger and fire in the belly to start the process. So just start the process. Just do something with someone because it's that that sort of creates the momentum for what comes next. And, and you might start with one client, not six. You know, you might ask them to do one of two options, not three. You know, you build it how you want to build it, but make sure that you are monetizing, leveraging, or releasing your worst clients. Brilliant, Martin. Quick question to finish this off. You talk about recalibrating fees, having regular reviews makes complete sense, but you talked about it on a profit basis, whatever that looks like. Is there a case to be made for recalibrating clients based on how enjoyable the work is or how much of a bitcher, moaner or whiner they are and how difficult they are to work with, which sometimes is nothing to do with money, but that might make them a grade D client. You, you, you certainly can factor that in. Also potential value if they're, if they're a low fee client, but a great referrer, for example. 
Um, so yeah, you can apply any kind of measures you want. What you find in a technical scenario, like an accounting firm, is that we like exact sciences and not subjective sciences. So are they fun to work with? Well, says who? What's fun? Define fun. And you'll find that 10 people have 10 different definitions of it, creating confusion in the firm. So it's generally, you can absolutely factor that in as a consideration, but what is the ultimate decision? What is the ultimate arbiter? It is that mathematics. You know, our practice profitability average is X percent. This particular client is 20% below that. Something's got to change for the better. Excellent. Well, this concludes our series on the prices, right? We've done 14 of them. There will be no bonus next Saturday because we're moving to season three of the show as we go into July 2022. We will be presenting topics like this because we're launching a new show called Best Practice in Accounting. And this is where we look at practitioners and their firms. We look at some of the stuff that you've done in real life, Martin, and I have that's not just theory and ideas, but it's here's what works around growth, uh, practice management, our example stories of consulting on what definitely works. So it is the end of a season. Thank you for joining it. Martin, final thoughts for you on the whole Price is Right series we've done. What would be your parting comments for accountants? That pricing has been an issue since 1422. <laughs> and that's because of behaviours. And that's because of beliefs. Okay, so the culture of poor pricing, low pricing, low profitability comes from the behaviors of we collapse in negotiations, we don't make proactive improvements to our pricing, which comes from the belief of they'll never pay it and we're not worth it. So if we want to change the culture, we change the behavior. If we want to change the behavior, we change the belief. If you want to change the belief, look for proof and evidence in your client base that you are worth more than you're thinking of charging this next time, that you have done a job previously to great success and validate yourself. And once you've validated yourself or got external validation, change your beliefs. That will change your behaviors. That will change pricing culture. That's a great call to arms. Thank you for joining us for this series. Pricing will come back in one way, shape or form. It's been ever thus, as Martin says. Uh, but we've enjoyed your company. And now go and do something because doing something is always better than doing nothing. This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett.